0: I love that music. I don't know why, it just makes me happy. Uh, hopefully, the, 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 hopefully that'll set our sermon up for success today. So my name is Josh Burnham, lead pastor here at Bethel. And let me remind us why we gather. As Christians, we are gathering people. We don't gather because we have to. We gather because we get to. Like we, we get to come into the presence of God who reminds us where two or more are gathered in my name, there he is also. I'm one. If we get another person, God is here. What great joy that is. We take this for granted sometimes that the Spirit is in our midst. And we don't want to forget our friends. Some of them are laboring in other places right now for the weekend online. So welcome to you guys. If you're new, we just want our labor of hand clap to be the welcome to you guys. So if you're a guest... You had no clue what you were walking in today, but God bless you for being here today. We're finishing this week a sermon series that we are calling, or we have called Baggage, or Luggage, or Suitcase. Something that you put things into and carry with you. And and we say it this way, simply, we all have baggage and we're all trying to get rid of it. And let me encourage you, if you have baggage, it is best to get rid of it and not try to... Shove it into the overhead compartment that's not going to fit. Because there are things in your life that God does not want in your life. So quit wasting time trying to put things in your life that God says, Josh, that shouldn't be in your life. Let it go. It's not supposed to be there. In this sermon series, we have actually um, taken... From a survey that we gave you in Easter. So we spent four or five weeks answering questions that you wanted to know about the scripture. So today's concluding message is on the baggage of trying to wrestle and find out what God's will is for your life. So today we're going to unpack, that's the sermon title, Unpacking God's Will. Unpacking God's Will. So meet me in Romans 12. We're going to look at one verse today. I'm going to read two, but we're going to look at one verse as we unpack God's will for our lives. Romans is in the New Testament. It's after the Gospels. It's after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and Acts. Romans 12.1, I'm reading from the, the Christian Standard Bible, the CSB, and it will also be on the screen behind me. The Apostle Paul writes this way, Therefore, brothers and sisters... In view of God's mercy, I urge you to present your bodies as living sacrifices. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act, your true worship. Verse 2 says, Do not conform to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And if you do that, then you will be able to discern What is God's will? His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's go to the Lord in prayer one more time. Father, we have read your word, your word given that we might know you. So Lord, would you answer the desires of our heart that we would know you today? Father, we realize that there are some here right now that that think they know you, but they don't. Father, would you show them what they're missing And would you show them that they can follow you today by faith. Lord there are some here in our midst that are not of you. And they don't want to be of you. Lord would you change their heart. Would you take their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. That way they would know you. And Father there are some here today that are struggling to to know your will. Thank you that we can. Well thank you that you want us to know you. And you want us to know your will for our life. Lord no matter where we are. Thank you that you meet us where we are in Jesus' name. And we pray this in Christ alone. Amen and amen. So what is the will of God? That's a big question, isn't it? And I'm thankful that you've asked me that so I get to answer it. I believe that when we ask this question, you are asking something that God wants to answer so when you ask God, God, what is your will for my life? God's response is, that's a great question. I can't believe you. I can't believe you just waited this long to ask. How do I know that's God's heart? Well, because Jesus teaches us how to pray. And Jesus teaches us at the end of the Lord's prayer to pray this way. right? Lord, your will, thine will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when you ask God. God reveal to me your will. You are asking to seek and to search his heart. You are asking eternal questions. You are asking a good question. So if you are here and you have been struggling with the will of God. And, and you, you wonder well, God, should I even ask that? Yes. God wants you to ask and to seek his will for your life. You're simply asking what Jesus asked. But all wills are not created equal. So we're going to drill down to the will that you're asking about. Because the Bible tells us that there is a hidden will of God. It's actually in Romans chapter 11. We didn't read that, but it's in verse 33. Paul says this about the hidden will of God. Now, if the will of God, if part of his will is hidden, that means it's not for you to know. Because it's hidden. Paul says it this way. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Now, get this. How unsearchable his judgments. How untraceable his ways. So when we look at the will of God... Clearly, we are not asking God to reveal to us what is hidden from us. So when we ask the question, God, what is your will for my life? We're not asking God, what is your hidden will for my life? Because if your hidden will was revealed to my life, then your hidden will would not be hidden. Does that make sense? So then what is the will we're asking about? Well, there's the revealed will. But not all revealed wills are created in equal. The Bible says that there is a will of God that that scholars call his active will or the decretive will of God. It is what God decrees and what God decrees will happen. Let me give you for instance in Genesis chapter 1 in verse 3 the Bible says everything was void, everything was dark, there was nothing and God spoke in Genesis 1 verse 3 Let there be light. And when God decreed, when God willed for there to be light, there was light. And God said it was good. God did not will for there to be light. And light said, hmm, let me think about it. Do I want to ex nihilo come from nothing? Or do I want to stay dark? No, God decreed and it happened. That is God's active, decreed will. What God wants, it will happen. So when we ask the question, God, what is your will for my life? We're not asking about his hidden will. We're not asking about his revealed, decreed, active will. Some of you are now frustrated. So I can't know God's hidden will. And I don't have a choice in God's active Revealed will. So, is the sermon over? No, you're not that lucky. There's another will of God. It's His passive will. I don't think that's the best way to describe it. It's His permissive will. It's His permissive will. And this is what we're asking for our life. God, what do you want and what do you desire and what do you allow? For instance, think about the Ten Commandments. God clearly says... His will is for you not to murder. Does everyone, please everyone agree with that? Okay. We're on the same footing. So God wills that do not covet against your neighbor. Do not kill your neighbor. And yet, we know that murders happen every day. Well, does God desire for people to murder? Absolutely not. God desires for there not to be bloodshed, but he permits there to be bloodshed because you and I have the moral free choice whether to obey his permissive will or to disobey. So this is where we jump off into the word. When we ask God, what is your will? We're not asking God, what is your hidden will? Because your hidden will is hidden. We're not asking God, what is your decreed will? Because his decreed will is decreed. It happens. We're asking God, God, what is your permissive will? What do you want for my life? And what would be the best design and purpose for my life in this moment? And with that, we say, God, what do you allow and what do you desire? This is where Romans 12 meets us. Romans 12 too is very clear That when you ask the permissive will of God, can we ever know the will of God? Look at verse 2. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern. You may. You can. It's possible for you to know God's permissive will for your life. But it takes work. It takes His work in you. So let me give you three reasons that we can't know the will of God Three barriers, and then let me give you four or five reasons that we can know the will of God. Verse 2. Here's some barriers to knowing the will of God. So let me encourage you. There is no secret decoder ring to the will of God. There's no viewfinder that where if you just put in the right picture, and if you click it the right way, then you'll say, aha, that's it. That's what I've been searching for. It takes work and it takes spiritual work in your life. Romans 12.1 says this. Paul writes and says, Dear brothers and sisters. Who is Paul writing to here? He's writing to those who by faith have already claimed the promises of Jesus Christ. So the great barrier to knowing God's will is that you must first give your life to him. There are many that seek the will of God, but don't seek God. And you and I will never know God's will until we know Him first. I think of it this way. You can't say to God, God, show me your will, unless you pray to the Lord, show me your glory first. His glory comes before His revealed will in your life. And you say, well, can can I know God? If I have to know God before I know his will, can I know God? No one's ever seen God. Well, Jesus says this in John 14. He says this. If you know me, that's Jesus, then you know my father. And from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. For those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ... Jesus says to you, you know God because you know me. Think about that. We can know God. And because we can know God, we can know his will. So let me encourage you, if you're struggling with not knowing the will of God for your life, and you have never met God before, stop what you're doing, confess your sins, and find Jesus Christ faithful and true. The way to God is narrow. There's only one way. And the gate to the narrow way, there's only one gate. The way is Jesus and the gate is Jesus. But let me tell you this. There is no better path to walk than to be with Jesus Christ. If you have not given your faith to Jesus as Messiah and Lord, stop what you're doing right now. Confess your sins. Find Him quick and able to forgive you And give you abundant life in the process. Do not say to God show me your will. Until you say to him God show me your glory. I want to know you. Not knowing God is a barrier to not knowing his will. And if you are frustrated about not knowing his will. Maybe you don't know him. And the Holy Spirit is reminding you seek me. Confess your sins. Confess Christ as Lord. There is a second barrier here though. Verse 2, brothers and sisters, you must be in Christ to know God. You must be of God to know God's permissive will. Second barrier that prevents us from seeing and knowing God's will is right here in verse 2. Do not be conformed to this age. Do not be conformed to the standards of the world. If we're honest, most of us would say, well, I am not of the world until we look at our life. This word means to push something through a mold that when it comes out the other end, it is according to the standard of the dye or the standard of the mold. It's like pushing Play-Doh through that strainer and it looks like spaghetti noodles as you squish it, right? That's living according to the standard of the world. And when we conform to the world, we cannot know God's will. Sin... And confirmation and conformation to the standard of the world makes us tone deaf to the will of God. I think of it this way. It's when you find your favorite radio station on a long trip. And then you get to the point where you're almost too far away from the radio tower. And instead of finding another radio station, you're going to keep it where it's half static, half music, as long as you can go. But how absurd would it be if me, the driver, got upset at the radio station? How dare your signal not be clear when I was the one who wandered away? See, this is what sin does in our life. We can't hear the will of God because we have too much static. Now our young adults are going to say, well, what's a radio station? Let me give you a better illustration. It's like wandering away from the router and you lose your Wi-Fi. And you say, Lord, my world is crashing down. I don't have Wi-Fi. I'm talking to millennials, by the way, not our young adults. You see, that's what sin does. We walk away. From the homing beacon. We walk away from the radio tower. Sin makes us tone deaf. To the will and the ways of God. In our life. And if you have static right now. Confess your sins. Find Christ able to purify you. To wash you clean again. So the first barrier is not knowing God. And the second barrier is being conformed to the image of the world. There is a third barrier here. Do not be conformed to the way of this world. But be Transformed by the renewing of your mind. God's will for your life is much more than information and revealed knowledge. It's transformation. Do not conform to the ways of this world, but be transformed. Often when we pray, God, show me your will, what we're actually asking God is, God, you show me the plan and I'll execute it. We won't verbalize it like that, but we're saying, God, if you give me point A to point Z, I'll make it happen. And God says to us, it doesn't work that way. I've given you the Holy Spirit to transform you. God is not giving us information to make a better life. He gave you the Holy Spirit. And often we want a map and God is saying, no, through the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, I've given you a GPS. That constantly tells you, recalculating, don't go in the ditch, don't go too fast, don't turn to the right, come back to me. You see, the barrier to knowing God's will is we just want more information. God, you give it to me. And God says, I gave it to you. It's the Holy Spirit. It's better than any information that you could have. It's quite fascinating that this word transform is only used three places in the New Testament. Do you know where the first one is? Romans 12, 2, right here. The the second one is when the disciples, the select few, were on the Mount of Transfiguration. And the Bible says that Jesus was transformed right before their very eyes. It's the same word that God is transforming you into his image. It's used a third time in 2 Corinthians 3, sorry, chapter 3, verse 18. Which says this about you. The Spirit is transforming you into the exact image of the glory of the Lord. Let me read that again. Let let that sink in. The Holy Spirit is transforming. If you are in Christ, He is transforming you into the exact image of the glory of the Lord. God is saying to us, I am working in your life that one day you might look like my son Jesus. I love that image. Because only a transformed life can approve and discern the will of God. So what are the three barriers to knowing God's permissive will in your life? You have to know God. You have to be in Him and have His Spirit. You have to not conform to the ways of the world. Get the static out of your life. You have to thirdly... Be transformed. Not say, God, give me information, but God, give me transformation. And when you do that, you can discern the will of the Lord. Discernment means to agree and approve with the understanding that you're going to practice what you heard. So now how do we practice how we discern the will of God? Let me give you, I think I have six Ways to know the permissive will of God in your life. First, here's helps to discerning God's will. To know what God to know God's will, you have to know what God wills, plural. Now some of you are thinking, what? What did you say? To know God's will, you have to know what God wills. So to say it another way, you need to know God's purpose and His design for the world. If you don't know what God desires for everyone and everything, how do you know what God desires for your life? So you need to know who He is. You need to grow in righteousness. Sociologists suggest that the average person makes 35,000 decisions a day. 35,000. In the length of the average male in America, for women it's more because we die off sooner I'm not going to apply that. I don't know the reasons. I'm just telling you that's the fact. You can make your own conclusions. 2.7 million decisions in your life. If you have that many decisions, do you have time in every second to say, God, let me pray about this. Should I put on my shoes today? Should I wake up today? Should I brush my teeth today? Should I put on deodorant today? Should I read my Bible today? No, we need to know God's order and his purpose for creation. I was watching the sunset, the sun so well, I didn't watch, I the sunset last night, I was watching the sunrise this morning, and just thinking, God, you willed the sun to come up again. It was your desire that the sun would come up. We need a radical spiritual transformation. The more you know God's plan for the world and for creation, the more you will know His holy will for your life. So first, know God's will for creation. Secondly, you need to know God's word. God's word. Because God's word is His written will for the world. His written will for the world. This is what we call His preceptive will. He's already given us that. I don't have to pray every day. God, do you want me not to murder my neighbor today? Because today is a new day. And today could be the day. No, we have God's written word that clearly tells us. Do not murder. It is in his precepts. So I know that is God's will. I don't have to pray, God, is this your will? I just have to pray, God, let me obey your will. And if my neighbors are watching, listen, I don't harbor any hate towards you. Just an illustration, I promise. But this is God's preceptive will. I will never find God's will in my life with a closed Bible. So don't come to me and say, Pastor... My Bible, I have never opened it up, but can you show me God's will? I'm going to say, yes, let me see your Bible. This is God's will for you. Know his preceptive will. Thirdly, how can you know God's will in your life? Verse 2, do not be conformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, so that you may be able to know God's will. But what about His will? His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So I think we need to ask, when we seek God's will, is this good? Is this decision good? Is this moment good? Is this opportunity good? Is this good? Why do we ask that question? Because we know God is good, don't we? God is good. And if God is good, then His will for my life is good. So when seeking the will of God, ask, is this good? Will this decision glorify Jesus Christ? Will this decision, will this moment, will this relationship, will it reflect the goodness of God to others? God will never lead you into a relationship that is not reflecting His goodness to the world. God will never lead you into a temptation. That to say yes to that temptation is to not display his goodness to the world. So ask, is this good? Does this display your goodness? So you see, the world asks, is this good for me? The transformed life asks, does this reflect God's goodness? It's a big difference, isn't there? The world says, let me get mine. The transformed life says, Lord, let me reflect your goodness to the world. That they might see what true goodness is. Oh, that that would be our life. Because God is good, his will is always good. But there's more. Open the word. Know what God's design is. Know what his goodness is. And then ask yourself, is this pleasing to God? And is this pleasing to me? So I think a really a good question that we can ask to know the will of God is this God, does this bring me joy? Is this love or is this lust? Is this excess that I might help someone else in need, or is this greed? Lord, does this bring me joy? Because happiness is fleeting, joy is eternal. Happiness is fleeting. Joy is eternal. So we need to ask God, is this bringing me joy? Because this is what we know. When you abide in Christ, only the things of Jesus will give you ultimate satisfaction. So, as a Christian, if something's not bringing you joy in life, maybe it's because it's not of Jesus Christ. And maybe God is telling us, why are you chewing on day old crust? when I give you new bread every day? Why are you eating crumbs when I have made you hot and fresh Krispy Kreme donuts, Manna from heaven. So maybe something in your life is not satisfying because it's never intended to satisfy. It's not pleasing and it's not God's will. I think we need to ask, God, does this joy awaken and enlarge my heart for Jesus Christ? Does this this enlarge my heart for you? Because your will is good and it is pleasing. But we also know that his will is perfect. So we need to ask ourselves, God, is this moment, is this decision, is it perfecting me into your image? Is this perfecting me into your image? It is not God's will for you to live and have inappropriate physical relations with someone. You don't have to pray about it. It's not His will. Because that is not perfecting you into the image of God. It is not God's will for you to use substances. Because getting drunk only causes you to forget. But when you become sober again, you will see your worries and your cares. But God helps us live life by not forgetting the difficulties, but remembering the promises. Is this perfecting you into the image of Jesus Christ? Hebrews 12 says it this way. Keep our eyes upon Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. You know what I love about this verse? It's the reminder that Christ will never give up on you. Jesus will never stop working upon you until you look perfectly like Him. And that will not happen until one day we see Him face to face and we are fully glorified. But God wants you to look more like Jesus His Son today than you did yesterday. I'm so thankful for a guy that doesn't give up. Because I don't look like Jesus right now. But one day, I will. And so we need to pray, God, what are you doing in my life today that make me look more like Jesus Christ because your will is good and your will is pleasing and your will is perfect. God, put that in my life. Use this to perfect me to the image of your son, Jesus. Let me give you one more bonus. Here's a bonus of the day. To know the will of God... Don't over spiritualize every decision. Don't over spiritualize every decision. For instance, God might not want you to spend 10 hours in prayer today whether you're going to have a Big Mac, a Whopper, or a fillet of fish for lunch. I would say it's not God's will for the fillet of fish, first of all. Let's just get that out of the way. Can't give you a verse, but that's just discernment. Any, 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 any filet, a piece of fish that's square and orange. I remember they gave those to us in middle school. I'm thinking that's not what fish, that's not how they come out of the ocean looking. Choose the other two. But we need to be careful not to over-spiritualize every decision. Because if we make 35,000 decisions today, we need it to be routine. Most of your decisions are spontaneous. Most of your decisions are subconscious, which is why we need the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. That's the reason God has given you the Holy Spirit. And let me encourage you. Why are you fretting over thirty the, the 35,000 and first decision if God has been faithful 35,000 times? Sometimes we get all emotionally worried because we say, God, I don't know what to do here. And God says, Josh, look back. I've given you 35,000 reasons to trust me today. Trust and abide in the Spirit again. And maybe we over spiritualize every decision. Yep, your lunch today might not be life changing, but it might. Be careful what you eat. But we need to abide in and trust the Holy Spirit. Who is working in us and through us for his glory. The same spirit that when we don't even know how to pray, God is praying through us by his spirit for you and for me. So maybe what if God's will today is for you not to over-spiritualize every decision and live a paralyzed life, but to say, God, I trust you fully. I will trust you for the 35,000, and I will trust you for the one. So what? How do we live out all of the permissive will of God? I think some of you today may be listening online or listening after the fact. You are not in God's will right now because you're living in sin and your iniquity. And you've never heard God's will because you actually don't know God. And I believe you are here today because for the very first time, God wants you to know Him. He wants you to turn away from your sin and turn towards Him. How do I know that? Because I know what the Word says. I know what 1st Timothy 2 4 says about you, that God, my Father, wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. God says that He doesn't want anyone to perish, but that is His permissive will, because you and I have a choice whether we grab onto eternal life by faith or whether we reject His love for our life. And to reject the love of Jesus Christ is to say, God, I will walk the broad path, the path that ultimately leads to hell and destruction. C.S. Lewis says it this way, there are two types of people in the world. Those that pray, God, your will be done. And those to whom God says, okay, have it your way. And that's what the sin-filled life looks like. And can I be honest for a second? There's not a single perfect person here. There's not a single person here that has not sinned and that has not lived in iniquity. For those who say, well, oh, no, I haven't, well, you're a liar. You sinned. Welcome to the club. You see, we don't gather because we're perfect, we gather because we're forgiven, because we're redeemed, because we're transformed. And if you've never given your life to Christ, would you come to him today? There's no church that can save you. There's no pastor that can save you. You you can't live on your grandparents' faith. God does not have spiritual grandchildren. Your faith has to be yours. Would you come to him? The Bible says you can't come to Jesus unless you say no to yourself. That's called repentance. And you could pray a prayer that sounds something like this. God, I know i failed you. God, I've never heard your voice. I don't know your will for my life. But Lord, all I know is what I heard today. That you don't want me to perish and you want me to have everlasting life. So God, today I trust in Jesus Christ. I trust that he died upon the cross for me. I trust that he rose again. And God, I trust that if I place my faith in you, that I will not perish, but I will be saved. God, I want that. The Bible says if you pray a prayer like that with an authentic heart, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. What a great God we serve that says his will for your life is that you would have abundant life. He doesn't force it upon us, but He desires that. And if that's been you, if you've given your life to Christ online or in here, we would love to know and encourage you. And today, for the first time, you can know God's will because you now know Him. We celebrate that. I believe some of you are here today and you're struggling because you are living in sin and there's so much static, you cannot hear God's will. Would you run back to him and find Jesus faithful to forgive and purify you? There's really not secret to the will of God. It's what Eugene Peterson calls long obedience in the same direction. The more we walk towards Jesus Christ, the more we know the sound of his voice. And the more beautiful that voice sounds. And the more clear we hear that voice. Would you come back to Jesus again? Would you strive to be a person that says, God, I want long obedience in the same direction. God, let me know your will. As we enter into a time of prayer and personal reflection upon this word for us, I don't think there's a single person here that doesn't need the will of God, the revealed, permissive will of God in their life. And I think about what C.S. Lewis said. There are, there are two kinds of people. There are those that pray right now, God, your will be done. And those that God says, Okay, Josh, have it your way. But take it from me. My way is not the best way. And may we be people that say, God, your will be done in my life as it is, is in heaven. That is God's will for you. You can know the will of God because he loves you and because he has transformed you by the renewing of his spirit. Let's pray.